0: And hey, this is Evan Marc Katz, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women and your personal trainer for love. Loving you back to the Love You Podcast where you can learn everything you need to know about dating relationships, sex and men from a man's point of view. And today we are talking about essentially how I chose my wife. I call it follow your heart, use your head, how to know if your relationship is worth preserving. And before I tell you the story about how I chose my wife, which is a story that is uh, rarely told, uh, that I rarely tell like this in such detail. Um, I want to let you know that I'm offering you a special, special gift just for being a Love You podcast listener. Go to www.evanmarkkatz.com forward slash free dash trial, and I will give you two free weeks in my Love You coaching program. They're specifically about confidence, past baggage, and why bother syndrome. Right? When you're ready to give up on men and you think that all is lost, I'm going to give you a big dose of confidence absolutely free at www.evanmarkkatz.com forward slash free dash trial to get your free gift. Over a thousand women have gone through love you. You could be next, and uh, the first two weeks are free. I I, I want to admit uh, I'm a little uncomfortable uh, being public. I, I'd much rather, uh, I, I say this privately, I'll say it publicly, I'd much rather be rich than famous. Um, I, 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 there's a reason that I don't mention my wife's name. There's a reason I don't mention my kids' names. I like to keep something uh, private. But I think the stories of uh, what I went through to Choose My Wife were instructive because they're stories that other people won't talk about, um, the reality of the situation. Uh, the most common love story is the Disney love story. and Two people meet, and they click, and they just know it's right, and they live happily ever after. Um, there's nothing to learn from that. But that is that is literally wishing for a Prince Charming and there's nothing wrong with it and it's not that that never happens, to me that's the equivalent of winning the lottery. Right? You, you, you can win the lottery, someone wins the lottery, but there's a lot of other ways to get rich besides winning the lottery. So I'm a big believer that you don't have to just know when you meet the right person. I think you know when you meet the wrong person. I think if you go out with someone and there's a there's a lot of friction and difficulty um, or you don't like someone or you're not attracted to someone, you could say move on. but we seem to have this idea that when you meet the right person, you just know. Because someone does just know, and then their relationship works out. We think that's the only way. I'm someone who did not just know. My wife did not just know when we met. And I want to tell that story today. In fact, I didn't know if my wife was right for me until six months after we got married. Do not try this at home. The results of you just know are this, right? And again, you just know when someone's right for you. You just know if someone is your soulmate. The results of you just know. Um, I say this on my, my website all the time. Think about the person that you had the most chemistry with in your entire life. The person that you just knew was the one. Are you with them right now? No, you're not. Otherwise, you wouldn't be watching this. Happily married people are rarely watching the Love You podcast. A little secret. So... If you just know, and I just knew a couple times in my life, uh, both women dumped me. You just know doesn't mean anything, right? It means you are experiencing a feeling—dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, brain chemicals flooding your your uh, your uh, synapses and getting you all excited and giddy—and it's like being on cocaine and methamphetamine and. That's all it is. It's brain chemicals, right? It's not actual love. We associate it with love, but it's not actual love. So there are people, I want to acknowledge, who do win the love lottery, right? They're the people who, like, the second I met him or the second I met her, I knew she was going to be my spouse. And they stay together for 40 years, and we all think that's the way it has to be, right? So my way, the more common way, doesn't sound as romantic. But at the end of the day, the how you met doesn't really matter in comparison with the quality of your marriage, right? Uh, if you got your, your job by you know, answering a flyer and it turned out that you ended up running the company and being a millionaire, it doesn't matter that you, an- you got the job by answering a flyer versus being recruited from another office. It's what happens now that you have your new job. So the how you met, the origin story doesn't really matter as to whether, are you happy in your 40 year marriage? We're, we're, we get very focused on the story because we think that marriage is the finish line. For single people, marriage feels like the finish line. Oh my God, I've been going my whole life, just waiting to find someone and finally I'm married. No, that's, that's the beginning of your new life, right? You, you, you just ended a marathon and you're starting a new one. So it's not the end, it's, it's the beginning. I wrestled with this the same way you wrestle with this, right? I was a dating coach um, for five years, I'd written two books and I had gone on over 300 dates and I did not. Have anything going for me except for the advice I was giving. Like, I really like, I was just like everybody else, struggling, you know, giving advice, not really following it, kind of high profile hypocrite type thing. Um, I just knew three times that I was going to get married. All three of those women broke up with me. And so everything was sort of up for question. Right? Like, I, I didn't trust my own judgment. And I, I'm, I'm sure if you're, you're listening, you've had those moments where I feel like I've had a lot of, a lot of life experience. I feel like I've done some trial and error. and. I still don't, I wouldn't even know what it felt like if I met my husband. I think it feels like this magic feeling, but that magic feeling hasn't been a really great predictor of anything. So when I was dating my wife for six months, I never had the magic feeling, and I was openly, not so much to her, but in my head and to, to friends, I was openly questioning it. I remember I talked to my friend, Scott. Um, he is one of those guys who figured it out younger Right. He was just, you know, he was one of you know, my first friend in LA in 1996, and I remember I said I, I and, and my wife has heard all of this. Sometimes people think it sounds like I'm insulting my wife. I'm really, really happy in my marriage, but sometimes it sounds insulting because the public story that everybody gives is, "Oh my God, you are so intoxicated!" Right? This blind praise. I'm giving you the real picture of what I was really thinking, and it doesn't necessarily make me look good. So I'm telling my my friend, I was like. I've dated women who were younger and more attractive and more ambitious and more intelligent and more like me. I'm so challenged because it doesn't look the way I thought it was going to look. And my friend Scott says, and this guy has now been married for 20 years. He got married in his late 20s and he was the first of my, one of the first of my friends to get married. He says, don't evaluate the person, evaluate the relationship. And I was like, that's kind of genius. He goes, so on paper, right? She might be a seven compared to, you know, the, the impressive tens you've dated. But how did the relationships with the tens go? Right? There was a lot of friction, a lot of fighting. They wanted to change you. They were constantly criticizing you, and you ended up breaking up in three months or six months or whatever. Right? So, how's the relationship on a one to ten scale? I said it's like a ten plus plus. He goes. That's what you're looking for. It's not who she is. It's how you guys are together. So a little light bulb went off. These are things that I I coach today. These are things that I've learned from other people. Don't evaluate the person. Evaluate the relationship. How are you together? Not how does this person stack up against everybody else you dated. Um, Another close friend, Jeff, told me, um, because I was dissecting. This is what we do when we love someone, but we don't have that magic feeling, we're actually seeing things very clearly. When you have that goofy feeling inside of you, the butterflies and the, oh my God, I can't stop thinking about him feeling, you cease critical thinking, right? You give him a free pass on all of his bad behavior. That's how you stay in bad relationships based on chemistry. So when you're not intoxicated by chemistry, you actually see things a lot clearer, a lot clearer. So I was seeing things very, very clearly, I was seeing the flaws of my girlfriend, and I remember A friend of mine saying, dude, get off your high horse. What if we were to criticize you? She's nicer than you. (laughs) She's warmer than you. She's less moody than you. She's less opinionated. She's less difficult. So you're sitting there focusing on all the things she's not. What if she focused on your flaws? Another kind of aha moment. Wow, I might like myself, but I'm not always a prize to be around. That's useful information as well. Pat Allen, I've mentioned her before. I turned to her because I was struggling with this dating and relationship question. Should I marry my girlfriend? Dr. Pat Allen wrote Getting To I Do. She's a prominent psychologist here in Los Angeles on the speaking circuit. I got a half hour appointment with her. And she said, on this side is chemistry. She holds up an index card. On this side is chemistry. On this side is compatibility. No, I'm saying it wrong. On this side is passion. On this side is comfort. She said, choose one. Now, that was too black and white for me. Right? I don't think it was choose one. But her point, her greater point, was the more comfort you have, the easier things are, the less friction and the less passion. The more passion you have, the less comfort you're going to have. You're going to have more of a rocky relationship. And it was at that time I was realized life is a marathon. <laughs> you, you don't want a roller coaster for a marriage. Right? People put their passion first. And they end up in crazy roller coaster relationships with a lot of making up and breaking up and fighting and silent treatments and insults and criticism. And I finally found this relationship that was such a smooth ride, I was I was questioning it the entire time. And then I remember reading uh Barry Schwartz's book, and this might might have been the kicker. Barry Schwartz is the author of uh The Paradox of Choice. And I to this day I credit The Paradox of Choice with helping me get married. And what he says is there's two kinds of people, maximizers and satisficers. A satisficer is someone who's like, this is good. I'm content. He's, um, he's cute. He treats me well. He wants to be a father. I'm going to keep him. Maximizer says, ah, he's 5'9. I wish he was a little taller. He makes $80,000 a year. I wish he made over 100 That would be a lot easier for me. Right. He doesn't have really great taste in clothing. Right, and dissects maximizer, could always do better. And I took this, this, this quiz in the paradox of choice, and I realized, oh my god, man, you're a maximizer. You could have 95% of something, and you'd say, hmm. someone has 97%. I'm going to look for 97%. But when I started to apply this to my own relationship, I said, what are you doing? Because there's a cost to maximizing. Maximizers are less happy than satisficers. They might get more because they strive for more, but the cost of the search makes them less happy, which is interesting. So theoretically, I could have dumped my amazing girlfriend to find someone who is five years younger, because my wife is older and I wanted to have kids, and that's a real factor. I could have dumped my girlfriend right, to find someone who's five years younger, who is also uh, more politically, religiously inclined uh, with me. I'm a liberal Jewish atheist, and she's a conservative Catholic believer. So I said, She's, our relationship is perfect, I could throw it away to find someone who's a little younger and a little bit more like me, or I could stick with this because this is the best relationship I've ever had by far. And that, again, we talk about the, the concept of this, follow your heart, use your head. Right. My heart said I'd never been with someone who made me happier. Right. My head was wrestling with this. This isn't the way it's supposed to look. And yet, I was trying to find reasons to dump my girlfriend, and there weren't any apart from the idea that I could do better, I could do better, and better being more like me. And that was my big blind spot. And once I got past that blind spot, I ended up uh, proposing to my girlfriend. Um, But before I proposed to her, um, I wrestled with this, and I wrestled with this openly. I told her I didn't know what I was going to do. I knew she was thirty-eight years old. Uh, we'd been dating for sixteen months, and I was agonizing, and I was agonizing openly because I do everything openly. And uh, so I've, I've had people say, "You mean you were telling your girlfriend that you were you didn't know what you were going to do?" And I said, "Yeah." I mean, right, better than leaving her in the dark. She goes, "Well, how do you think that made her feel?" I said, I, I, "It didn't occur to me how it made her feel. It was the truth." And she came from a first marriage where her husband cheated on her, so. A guy who tells the truth is is, is is useful. So she was really anxious that things were not going to go anywhere. Um, I knew I had to make a decision. If I was going to marry her, I had to step up. And if I wasn't, I should let her go find the guy who was going to marry her because she was 38. So I felt all this pressure that she did not put on me. And um, when, we get, get, when we get back from the break, uh, you know how the story ends. I'm married with two kids. But when we get back from the break, I'm going to tell you exactly how it happened. Um, because it's, 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 it's actually very interesting and it's instructive, and you're going to see um, something that I haven't shared with anybody else before. So, thank you for sticking around for uh, my story about how I met my wife. Uh, this is the Love You Podcast. I am Evan Mark Katz, and I'm gonna give you some more personal information right after this break. Hey, this is Evan Mark Katz, dating coach for Smart, Strong, Successful Women, your personal trainer for love, back with the second half of this Love You podcast on following your heart, using your head, uh, and most importantly, it's the story of how I met my wife uh, and how I ended up proposing to my wife. And uh, in the first half, I talked about how I agonized, really, the entire time that I was dating her that it wasn't right because I didn't have that magical feeling. Uh, But I reached a point where I had to make a decision. Um, and I had all this contradictory information. There was all the things that my wiser, more married friends and books I read and sociologists had had told me about what marriage actually looks like. And then there was this thing that said, oh, you've experienced higher highs before. You've gone out with people who were more like you before. There must be something wrong with this situation. And so I was wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. Um, I called my mom. Uh, I'm very tight with my mom and I said, mom. Um, I'm thinking of proposing to my girlfriend, uh, I'd like to potentially use the ring that dad gave you, my dad passed away, so my mom had this wedding ring, I'd like to use the ring that dad gave you in 1968, um, could you bring it to San Francisco, uh, I live in LA, we're gonna meet at my sister's place, she was living with her boyfriend at the time, so I fly to San Francisco, um, with my girlfriend, my sister and her boyfriend live there, my mom flies out from the East Coast, and I said, bring the ring. I don't know if I'm going to use it, because that's, that's exactly where I am. I'm like a coin flip. I have no idea what I'm going to do. Bring the ring, and based on how I feel this weekend, I'm going to make a decision. <clears throat> so that, that first night, it was a Friday night in San Francisco. Um, we go out to dinner. And I'm watching my girlfriend. And I'm sort of, you know, I'm usually in the moment. And, talking and engaging. But I took a second, and I sit ba- sat back, and I watched my girlfriend interact with my mom and my sister. And that's, that was the first time. They'd met before, but I was like, that was the first time a, another light bulb went off. Right? These, you could see these light bulbs going off. I said, ah, oh, she's family. That's that's what she is. She's family. It's, it's She fits in effortlessly. It's like I've known her my entire life. I never have to question whether she loves me. It doesn't matter whether she's just like me or she's everything on the mental checklist that I've kept in my head for all these years, right? I get along with her effortlessly the way I get along with my own family. That's how well she fits in. And in that moment, on Friday night in San Francisco, I decided to propose to my wife. She didn't know this, but I was, you know, uh, again, two weeks ago, we talked about, I don't know what I'm doing, I have to make a decision, we might break up, I just I have to figure this thing out, and she's just sitting there on pins and needles not knowing. So two weeks ago, I'm, I'm freaking out, and then I make this decision in my head, and I decide to, to call her, her dad, I decide to call her stepdad and ask for permission and do everything the traditional way. Um, I have the ring in a box that my mom gave me, and I have to come up with a clever way to propose. So, I go to the 99 cent store. And uh, this is my wife used to have a 99 cent store near her uh, in LA. So, we would go find one in San Francisco. It's a, the dollar one store in San Francisco. Everything's more expensive there. So, I go to the dollar one store actually in San Francisco and I buy four items just like a grab bag of random stuff. It was like a little plastic whale toothbrush holder, it was a, roost, a, a ceramic rooster head, it was a box of Q tips, one other thing. And also in that box, I put um, the ring box with my mother's engagement ring from 1968. Um, we go to my sister's house. She's, she's cooking dinner. We're out in her courtyard. Uh, and there's a, there's a picture of this somewhere. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll post it on my blog. Um, and I gave her the items, I one by one, the silly things from, uh, from the bag. And the fifth item was the ring, and she opened it. And kind of took her back. She didn't see what was coming. And I get down on my knee and I said, "Will you marry me?" And instead of saying yes or no, she said, "Are you serious?" Because that was that was that was her first reaction. Like, really? A couple weeks ago, you weren't sure what you were going to do, and now you're proposing to me right now with this big, gorgeous ring. And uh, you know, I'm. I'm me. So I got tears in my eyes. I said, yeah, I'm I'm serious. And so um, we got engaged. Six months later, we got married. Uh, At that point, we'd been together for 20 months, 22 months, maybe. We got engaged at 16 months. And we planned this big wedding. It was my first. It was her second. So I kind of had, I wanted the big wedding with all the stuff. I was the the groomzilla in this one. And it was was easy to plan a wedding because you're just planning a party and just trying to Come up with the best first day for yourself. So we, you know, uh, you know, we we got married on a boat at sunset, and we, we had ice cream cake for our wedding cake, and we did a choreographed salsa dance, and um, uh, you know, it, uh, ice an ice luge with uh, with vodka, and you know, uh, a, a band that did eighty songs. I mean, we, we we pimped it out. We we had a really kick-ass wedding that was reflective of our personality, but we weren't even living together yet. For two years we were just dating um seeing each other two three times a week so we were in such a rush to get married because my wife was going to be turning 39 uh, a month after we got married that we moved in together um two months after we got married and that was the first time that i was like oh my god what have i done now that is a terrible terrible feeling to have to be married to someone and not know that you made the right decision. And I know that's what everybody's afraid of, to marry someone. It happens all the time. I work with half my clients are divorced women. And so I hear all the time about, you know, when she knew that it was wrong. And it was very often before the wedding, standing on the altar. I didn't have any of those thoughts. But after we moved in together, that's when I was like, oh, this is real. I'm 35, 36. I'd never lived with anybody before. I'd been the independent guy, did things my own way, never shared my own space, never had to be accountable to anybody else. Um, uh, And so I was internally freaking out, um, even though nothing was wrong. We were the same happy couple we were before. It's just we made it official. The stakes were higher. And so I was internally flipping out, and she could tell. And I know she was worried about me. Um, I stuck through it, not that there was anywhere to go, because, again, we weren't fighting. This was a, a problem I entirely had in my head because I didn't have that clarity beforehand. If I dated her for a year longer, right, for two and a half years instead of one and a half years, I probably would have known more. But I felt so rushed because um, she was turning 39. So I was trapped with the best person I'd ever known. (laughs) Um, And we we were immediately off to the races because, again, we wanted a family. And so we got pregnant. Uh, We got married in in November and uh, moved in together in January. And got pregnant uh, in um, March, and the, the uh, we saw a heartbeat at nine weeks or something like that. Uh, announced to our families, and then we had a miscarriage. And um, I remember, I remember going to the facility for the DNC. I, I don't remember what that stands for, the DNC, but it's a procedure to remove the. Uh, The the fetus, and she's semi-awake. She's drugged out, and I'm holding her hand through this process. Um, And and I I swear, in this moment, I was like, something something clicked. This this was bigger than I was, right? Before I was the Player guy who dated a lot of people and was thinking, oh, I got to find someone who's my match, who's good enough for me, blah 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 blah. I had this amazing wife. We created a life together. We lost the life together, and I realized, oh my God, dude, this is so much bigger than you. Right? Your marriage is greater than the sum of its parts. Of the life you created—it's just bigger. And something clicked, and I just in that moment, it was an unconscious choice, but it was a choice to say oh, this is, this is it. Right? You're going to stop looking at what you passed up and what could have been. This is your wife. You're going to choose to love her. And you're going to be a great husband. And you're going to be a great father. And I'm not going to be tempted by all those voices in my head that are remnants of my past. You found what you're looking for. This is your destination. This is your future. And from that moment forward, it never, ever occurred to me that anybody in my life would be better for me than my wife. Right? And I could still acknowledge that there are more intelligent people or prettier people or younger people. Like That doesn't change. And acknowledging that doesn't make me insensitive or bad. It's, it's facts. There are taller, cuter, richer guys than me. I, like, that's, not, that's not an insult to acknowledge reality. Um, but anywhere I go where I meet someone impressive, it never occurs to me that I would be more happily married to that person than I would be to my own wife. And I think about it, and I so easily could have gone in the other direction, that's what's interesting about it. And as I said, I was like a coin flip away. I could have just passed up my own wife, my favorite person on the planet, just because she was three years older than I was, or just because we didn't necessarily agree on religion. Um, And again, to me, these are signs that I was seeing things really clearly. Right. Sometimes when you, could, when you could see your partner clearly, um, you, you can see the worst in them. Right? You dissect their flaws when, when you are uh, madly, blindly in love, which again doesn't necessarily mean very much. You've heard the, you know, uh, I love him, but I'm not in love with him. Well, in love usually means you've completely lost control of your mental faculties. <laughs> All right. At this point in time, I might say I'm in love with my wife because I am truly gaga about her, but it didn't start that way. Ours is the relationship that gets better and better and better and better over time. Most relationships start up here and they go like that. So, I invite you to consider right, this long personal story as an alternative way to approach dating and relationships. Right? I ended up trusting my feelings. I'm with the best person I've ever met, the person I have the most fun with, the person I could trust with my life. I would never think she's going to leave me, uh, do anything wrong, criticize me. She's the, the, the best person I know. But it wasn't something that was obvious that in her online dating profile, we didn't meet online, we met at a party. But it wasn't something that w- would have been obvious from her profile, something that would have been obvious on the first date. Right? It was something that, that continued to grow and get better. The foundation just got big, better and firmer over time. And now we're like this, this solid, solid edifice that nothing can break apart. And my marriage is, is my north star. It's my inspiration. It's what I spend my entire time trying to teach you about, that this thing is possible. You don't have to do it my way. I don't take it personally if you find this challenging, or you don't want to do it that way. And you'd rather just find a guy that you click with and you just know. And of course, that's, that's easier. Right? But just because something's easier doesn't mean it's better. It just means it's easier. Now I'm in the easiest relationship of anybody I know. I preach easy relationships, right? If your relationship is, is work, my belief is that there's a better relationship for you out there. And a lot of people who are in love, right, work to make their in love relationship stay together, uh, even though it's really ill-fitting. So we could have been two ships passing in the night. Um, I'm fortunate, my wife has always been solid, but I'm fortunate that I evolved through coaching others Uh, reaching out to other resources and learning the error of my own ways and that I got wise enough and lucky enough to make the best choice I've ever made. And for you, the best choice you will ever make, the most important decision you'll ever make is who you marry. There's nothing comparable, no house, no job. There's nothing more important than the person you marry. And so I hope that being completely transparent about the way I chose my wife, a combination of head and heart, let you know another path that other people take apart from the Disney fantasy story. I want to thank you for joining me here on the Love You podcast. My name is Evan Mark Katz. Next week, I'm going to be talking with Marnie Batista of Dating with Dignity. She's a very good friend and a very wise woman. Uh, You don't want to miss that interview. And if you enjoyed this podcast, remember to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, um, all my social media subscribe to this page so you can get, uh, if you're on if you're on YouTube, subscribe and you won't miss any podcasts. Uh, and finally, I'm giving you a free gift, two weeks free in my Love You coaching program. It is wonderful. It's a big shot of confidence in your right arm. You're going to feel like a million bucks. Go to www.evanmarkkatz.com forward slash free dash trial to get your free gift. I love you. I appreciate you. And I will see you again next week.